Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm super excited that you're joining us today. Today, I'm joined by Kara O'Rourke to be discussing her journey in competitive bodybuilding. Kara was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, as she'll be discussing today, and Kara did not let that hold her back or slow her down. She decided she wanted to compete in bodybuilding, and she found a way to make that happen. And she's really someone who's blazing a trail in my mind, because I don't know a whole lot of people who have been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes who successfully compete in bodybuilding. So Kara is really a pioneer and a great inspiration. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode today. Before we get to it, though, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Kara, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you on today. Well, I'm excited to be here and kind of share my story with you guys. Yeah, definitely. So I know lately you're into bodybuilding and bikini competitions and all these incredible things. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your backstory, a little bit about who you are and all the things that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, to start, um, I'm a student. I'm a college student, so I'm studying biology and environmental science. I'm in my senior year now. Um, I go to Point Park in Pittsburgh, if anybody knows about that. Um, and then fitness-wise, um, I've been into fitness and had fitness in my life for a good amount of time. Uh, my mom is very active as well as my stepdad. Um, but I definitely started uh, not very much in the bodybuilding realm. I started on the flip side. I started as a ballet dancer, actually, which uh, was fun. And definitely I started even that a little bit later than normal. Uh, definitely something also with diabetes and kind of my journey with that was uh, a little bit different. I stepped away from ballet when I was younger because I got diagnosed with diabetes and then I stepped back into it. Um, and then COVID happened, uh, so that kind of made it a little bit difficult for me to continue doing, uh, I don't want to say a, a contact sport, but a, a small closed environment with a lot of sweating people was not the ideal for somebody with an autoimmune disease. So I switched to bodybuilding and here I am now. I've competed in about three shows in bodybuilding and I've done a lot with that and Combining it with diabetes has led me to a very uh, interesting story arc, if you will, over time, and I've learned a lot throughout the whole entire journey. I would definitely say it's an interesting one. I actually have not met too many people who have type 1 diabetes and are very active and prominent in the health and fitness and bodybuilding type spaces there. So you certainly stand out as someone unique. Now, kind of going step by step here. You mentioned that you did ballet for a while. I didn't actually know that about you. So would you mind sharing a little bit about that dance background and what that looked like? And then maybe a little bit about what that whole process of, you know, when you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, what was that like for you? What did you have to go through? So I was, I don't know if I should say lucky or unluckily, uh, diagnosed with diabetes very young. Um, I've had diabetes more than I've not had diabetes in my life. So I don't always have the perspective of what that looks like before, but I was diagnosed at the age of six. So when I was first into ballet, as most young kids are, I got diagnosed about a year into me learning ballet. So um, 
you know, you're a kid, you're put into a ballet class and you're dreaming of being a ballet dancer. But then I got diagnosed with diabetes um, at the age of six. That happened um, after a family vacation. My parents noticed I was very sick and something was off. So I ended up being hospitalized when my mom is a PA. Um, so she recognized something was off about me and it was symptoms of diabetes, so they tried to check my sugar and realized things were not working out as well. Um, and then from that point on, I went to the hospital and it was a whirlwind of needles, blood taking, and then diagnosing me with diabetes. And by the end of the week, I was sent home with a regimented plan and how to start managing diabetes. And um, I had to step away from a lot of physical activity, trying to figure out how to manage diabetes as a young kid. It's very difficult for the whole entire process, but over time and technology, uh, things like the pump were given to me, um, which is something that makes handling it a little bit easier. And I was able to, um, at the age of 13, was when I was like comfortable enough to be able to manage my diabetes on my own. It was a whole long process, but I stepped back into ballet um, and started doing that quite competitively. I ended up going to some free professional camps and I really enjoyed it. And it was definitely a big part of my life um, and a good way to stay fit, but also mix it with art. And from there, um, just continued to learn how to manage diabetes and fitness hand in hand. And that would be the ballet story and the diagnosis. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, it's got to be scary when you're a young kid getting told all these different things and not really understanding them. And, you know, I find that some doctors really struggle to take things and simplify them to a level that you know, a seven-year-old or eight-year-old or any younger kid can understand because type 1 diabetes is typically diagnosed when someone is young. And type 1 diabetes is autoimmune in nature, meaning that your body is kind of attacking certain structures within itself that causes it to secrete little or no insulin whatsoever. And that can manifest in a lot of different ways. You might feel hungry. You might feel, you know, increased weakness. You might feel increased thirst. Uh, you might also, I've seen it before where diabetics will have this kind of fruity breath odor to them as well, which is kind of an interesting one. It throws people off. Uh, but there's all these different things. And I find that a lot of times people struggle to really understand what's going on in their own body uh with this condition and again it could be a lack of explanation or it could just be the complexity of it all right you know we don't often think about you know something coming into our body and destroying the um insulin producing cells in the pancreas i believe they're the islet cells uh you know it's it's a whole nother depth of understanding and knowledge and it's one of those things that I think needs a little bit more light shed on it because unfortunately, this is a fairly common condition that I think it impacts millions of Americans currently. And, you know, in your own case, you show that it is possible to live a healthy and fit and active life despite having a medical diagnosis of an autoimmune condition. 
Yeah, and I mean, I completely agree from the standpoint of diabetes is huge. And I honestly don't think I had a full grasp of how complex it was until I got to college and had a science course kind of dissecting that. And that's not something a six-year-old is going to sit through or understand well. Um, and the advances in medicine have made it a lot easier for diabetics to get diagnosed now to understand that and things like YouTube and podcasts make it a lot more, um, I don't bearable for diabetics to learn about. There's a lot more knowledge out there now than there was um, when I was first diagnosed and for that I'm grateful. I mean, I'm always continuing learning about it. There's a lot to be learned about and every single person has a different story with it and every single case bears something different. So even I can give recommendations to somebody with diabetes, but it's going to be completely different to how they are going to live their life with it. It's so adaptable, and it's very nice to have that adaptability, but also kind of scary, too, because you have no idea how things are going to turn out. You definitely have to be willing to be a little bit of a scientist with it and like experiment a little bit to make sure that things are going to work out for you in the best way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I like how you made the point that it's very individual. And as I mentioned before, I haven't met a whole lot of individuals who have type 1 diabetes and compete in bodybuilding, but I know you. So how did you get involved in the whole bodybuilding scene or what kind of made you look into that and where'd your early interest in that stem from? Uh, I don't know many type 1 diabetic bodybuilders either. I wish there was more of them. Um, but to start out, um, so I guess COVID would be the big turning point for me. Um, that's kind of when everything shut down and I wasn't able to be in a ballet studio anymore. So I'm very much about, I like being active and staying fit. Um, and at that point, I needed to find something that I could do individually. Uh, and at my house, we had dumbbells, we had a little bit of weight equipment here and there uh, because my mom is physically fit. My stepdad's a personal trainer for um, his job as well, an accessory to that. So we had some stuff around the house that I could use to kind of get into that. So that was definitely the start of me getting into fitness, um, more into lifting. And then from that point, once things started opening up again, I actually got a job at Planet Fitness because of that passion. And I felt like it was a good place to work uh, that supported this kind of like healthy mindset goals. And it continued from there. Uh, I continued lifting and kind of progressing more and more. And once you get to a certain point of lifting, I continue to like to push myself more and more and like see how far I can go. Uh, and bodybuilding was the next step to that. It was also something I've looked up to a lot. I see a lot of people that uh, their mindset and their goals and the way that they take care of their body is something I really aspire to do. And there's a lot of people I look up to in the sport. And I figured if they can do it, why would I not try? I hadn't seen anybody who was a diabetic who did it. And to do that, I knew I needed a coach and somebody who would be able to guide me uh, to make sure I didn't damage my body and make sure my doctors were okay with it. But from that point, I was like, okay. In about January this year, I, was, I found a coach that I liked. I had been working with them with, for a while. They had nutrition background as well as a degree in it. 
Um, and I felt comfortable with that coach helping me to progress into bodybuilding. And I figured if somebody's going to do it, why not be me and try it myself? So that's kind of how I started the bodybuilding. I love that attitude and I love that mindset. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of unique considerations that go into not having the ability to produce insulin, which kind of helps regulate your blood sugar and exercise, which is something that's going to break down tissue to alter your blood sugar. It might increase, it might decrease, it's going to fluctuate a little bit. So what kind of things have you had to take note of or kind of change in your day-to-day life with exercise and having type 1 diabetes? Have you had to do anything different? or? I guess the best way for me to kind of lay it out would be the regular diabetic versus kind of like a bodybuilding diabetic mindset. So like a regular diabetic with fitness is going to do 10 phases um, and kind of lower the amount of implementing themselves when they're exercising. Uh, they're also going to when you exercise normally, you do it once per day for a certain amount of time. You usually know when that's going to be and how much that's going to take out of you. So you know when to eat around it and stuff like that. So you would know, okay, if I'm going to work out at 6 in the morning for an hour, I'm going to go a little bit low. My blood sugar is going to decrease after exercising. So I'm going to need to heal myself. Now with bodybuilding, you want to be in a calorie deficit most of the time to lose a good amount of body fat and weight. Uh, with being a diabetic, though, that means fasted cardio, which is cardio before eating. Uh, so that's cardio first thing in the morning. Then you have a workout, uh, so strength training. That can be up to two hours, uh, depending on your program and how hard you're pushing. And then afterwards, that post-workout cardio, so that can be anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes of cardio. So when you're a diabetic, that's a lot of calorie decreasing and a lot of low sugar potential right there. So things to consider with that, like things I need to do as a diabetic to make sure I can do that. Okay, I have those temp basils, which is, again, causing the amount of insulin your body's getting delivered. Um, so I have a pump, which is nice and awesome and makes my life a lot easier. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, and I also carry glucose tabs with me all of the time. So when my sugar goes low, that's what I use to make sure my sugar goes up. And then the big thing a lot of people ask about is my diet. Um, for bodybuilding, yeah, your diet's different. But um, luckily for me with how long I had been with my coach, we were able to figure out the perfect combination to make sure that my body would be fueled enough, um, have enough fat and enough carbs. Uh, so in the end, some people can get into a really low calorie deficit to be on stage. But because I was a diabetic, something we had to consider was I can't be in that low of a deficit because I, my body cannot handle that safely. Um, so in the end, I was at 13,000 calories with four bodybuilder on show day is quite good uh, for what I was doing. Um, that also means a lot of those calories were carbs and protein and fat to make sure that my body was able to withstand everything we were doing to it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome insight. And 
you know, I think it's essential for people who are listening, especially if they're personal trainers, strength coaches, any kind of health and fitness professional. Um, I'll even go out and say PTs, Kairos, that sort of thing to realize that if they're working with someone who has diabetes, it's essential to have the ability to check their blood sugar and also have access to something that will increase their blood sugar level just in case it starts to dip too low in response to exercise. Because, you know, a lot of people out there, I don't think pay attention to those things or think about those things, right? Like we don't often monitor blood sugar during exercise, but in someone who has diabetes, you really have to. And if you start seeing things like confusion or profuse sweating, or you start smelling that fruity breath, which we talked about earlier, that tends to be more of a high blood sugar thing instead of a low blood sugar thing. But if you start to notice things are a little bit off and not what they seem, that's when you really need to stop and assess and go from there. But if you don't have the ability to assess that person in front of you, then how are you going to do them correctly or do them right, I guess I'm trying to say. And I think that's something that's often missed by a lot of people because they aren't familiar with a population like this. And I'm glad that you were able to seek out someone who was because it sounds like you've been able to do some incredible things as a result of seeking out the proper guidance and insight. Yeah, definitely. And I, I will say my coach has been open for me I've been a diabetic for a long time. Luckily, I, I know a lot of my signals and my signs as well as how to regulate my own diabetes, which has been really helpful in this. And I'm lucky and privileged to be able to have such a good control of my diabetes. Um, and being able to share that knowledge with a coach makes it so that they are able to help treat me as well. And like you were saying, things like knowing when your sugar goes low. Um, I have a continually glucose system which is able to track my sugar. I'm able to look at it on my phone right now to see where my sugar is, which is, first off, amazing to me because that wasn't that didn't exist two years ago. That's crazy to be able to see where my sugar is on my phone and send that to my doctors now. Um, but before that, it was, oh, my hands are shaky now. Okay, I'm going to go check my sugar. And that's going to take 15 minutes to bring up from there versus, oh, I can just, eat the glucose pad and be fine and everything will be regulated in the next five minutes. So there's definitely been a lot of changes with that. Um, and people who don't have the glucose monitors definitely do have to monitor in a different way, even than I do now. And there's a lot of different changes with that. Um, just being a diabetic doesn't limit you from those opportunities to be in fitness and do those things. But it does not make it easier. That's to say you have to think about things like, is my sugar dropping low or am I tired or am I hungry? And these are kind of things I don't think uh, people who normally lift or normally bodybuild have to think about all of the time. You're definitely more regimented and more uh, on top of your stuff. You're very able to tell when things are off, which is a blessing and a curse. Because you're like, oh, my sugar's low versus, oh, no, I just want my next meal. Right, right. And the thing I find really interesting about that continuous glucose monitoring is it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for understanding what is impacting your blood sugar. Because obviously activity and food do. But there's a lot of other things too, right? So how does your blood sugar change in response to sleep? Or, you know, you're in college. So 
if you go out on the town for a night and you do a little bit of elbow exercising, you know, those 16 ounce can curls, what's going to happen to your blood sugar? Well, now you can tell that in real time or stress. You know, I'm sure no college student has ever been stressed before. And I'm sure no one in America ever, you know, faces anything like anxiety or anything like that. But that stuff can impact your blood sugar level through, you know, that complex hormonal system that I've talked about in the past in past podcasts. And basically, you can understand how all of those things are kind of coming together to impact your blood sugar level. And that's going to take your understanding and ability to manage your condition to a whole nother level, as opposed to doing things in isolation. Yeah, and it's incredibly helpful. Like, I think because I've had such a regimented diet through bodybuilding, I can tell you how my body's going to react from one meal to the next exactly now, which is something I didn't know about before. Um, so bodybuilding definitely helps me with, like, learning some of those things for my own diabetes sake, too. Um, but it is incredibly helpful having that continual glucose monitor because I know for myself personally, after I walk for 30 minutes, my sugar is going to drop about 20 points. And that's something I wouldn't have known before without that continual glucose monitor. And I know it's going to regulate right afterwards. Those are things that I would not have known without the continual glucose or without bodybuilding and being so on top of, on, on track of what's happening for my sugar because it's important both for my health, but also like my progress. Now, I'm curious, how about cheat meals? What does a cheat meal look like for you, right? After your competition or your show and you want to reward yourself for a job well done, what does that look like and how do you kind of manage that whole process? So for me, um, I, I recently just finished the show um, and I had a cheat meal afterwards, but my cheat meals look a little bit different. And to give you guys perspective who aren't in the bodybuilding world or necessarily know your body's been in a deficit for, for me, it was 25 weeks or something at that point, um, which had been a long time. That's a good amount of time to have only been eating things in small amounts. Um, but as a diabetic, introducing, and just as a competitor, introducing a lot more food back into your body, your body's not going to love it. Uh, it's going to have a reaction to it no matter what, uh, even if it's the healthiest thing. So for me, my post-show meal was uh, mahi-mahi on a bed of rice with squash, which is not the most, it was exactly what I was craving and exactly what I wanted. But um, after that, then I had some cheesecake and um, a cookie that was made for me. So not anything ridiculous or crazy, but it did cause my sugar to speed up right afterwards because my body wasn't used to it. And like, without my continual glucose monitor or anything like that, I wouldn't have been able to know that. Um, I had an idea that was going to happen just because your body's not used to it. And I was prepared for that, but it does make you feel awful, which is not a fun feedback of being a competitor to get punished for eating healthy afterwards. But that is something that like reverse dieting and everything like that would definitely help over time. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one, I give you full credit for picking the mahi-mahi. That's my favorite kind of fish. Um, you know, I love to get a nice piece of black and mahi-mahi. Um, so huge respect for that. Uh, and two, 
you know, as we talked about earlier, everything is individualized and everything's going to look and feel different. And, you know, you mentioned that you were able to have a piece of cheesecake and a cookie and your blood sugar spiked up. Well, some people who, you know, say you have someone who has type one diabetes, they might be able to eat an, an extra cookie, a second cookie before they get to that level. And likewise, you might have someone who can only eat the piece of cheesecake before their blood sugar hits that level. So everyone responds a little bit differently and a little bit more unique to the foods that they're putting in their body for a variety of reasons. And I'd also be really curious to see what a normal blood sugar response is to something like that, right? Because if I go out and I reward myself and I eat a ton of sugar, I feel like crap myself. So I'm kind of curious, like, what does my blood sugar level get to if I went out and I did something like that, that I haven't done in a while? Uh, because it's one of those things that I think people can be surprised by how much their physiological values and lab values and all these different things can change in response to simple things in their life, right? Like you can even look at some of these, uh, guys anymore i'll pick on the guys because you know i'm a 24 year old guy i feel like i can pick on myself but some of these guys uh in today's age are you know sleeping four or five hours a night they're not doing anything physically active they're not eating a healthy diet and so on and so on and one of the implications of that is your blood testosterone levels drop and i think that a lot of guys these days are really surprised and a little bit scared when they read these different articles that show that the average male testosterone level now is significantly lower than it was about 50 years ago, right? So it's one of those things that every little value can be impacted by a variety of things like we talked about earlier and recognizing that, you know, you have to have good understanding of how your body adapts and uh, changes in response to the different stimuli, stimuli that you put on it is essential. Agreed. And I mean, something I always kind of put into perspective of with friends and everybody like that, how do you feel after eating Thanksgiving dinner? Like everybody's going to feel sleepy and tired. They're going to feel full. It's your sugar, your blood sugar is going to be elevated. You just ate a whole bunch of carbs uh, with stuffing and everything like that. Naturally, your body's going to have a higher sugar. Uh, your sugar is not going to be uh, hopefully as out of whack as mine would be. Even with proper coverage as a diabetic, like sugar rising is something that's going to happen, especially if you've been in a deficit for a really long time. But yeah, I mean, even if you guys go out to dinner, uh, say you have a nice meal at Chipotle and you eat a whole bunch of rice and everything like that, even if it's healthy, your sugar is going to increase. Um, but it is something that I know about because of being a diabetic, but a lot of people don't take into consideration, oh, my sleep, my diet, my exercise is all affecting that. And if people put into consideration more how their blood sugar is affected, they might consider some of their choices a little bit more, which is never a bad thing. Um, and there's actually been some research done and some trials starting to be done with male bodybuilders wearing um, continual glucose monitors how their body reacts with um, their carbs and how they carb cycle and stuff like that, which is really interesting to me to see how that ends up um, there in the starting trials. But like stuff like that is very interesting to learn about how diabetes or 
advances in diabetes is able to affect normal fitness people's lives. I think it's quite interesting to see how it can both help diabetics and help people who are just into fitness because there's a lot of different ways it can play into it. Now into your training a little bit more, is there any exercise techniques or anything that you feel you have to modify because you have uh, type one diabetes? So for example, do you do more isometric exercise or maybe less isometric exercise? Or is there certain things that you avoid doing as a result of uh, the diagnosis? Honestly, for me, no, I don't limit myself at all because of my diabetes. I can do anything. Um, and I enjoy doing, I enjoy heavy lifting. It's, I like to see myself more. I, if I can do compound movements, I'm going to choose that over isolation movements, to be honest, just because I like a heavy squat more than I like kickback. But that's just <laughs> how I feel about it. Um, there's no, no reason to not do anything. I mean, you can stop doing something if it makes you uncomfortable. That's more of the thing I would focus on if you're uncomfortable doing anything. The only thing that I'm really concerned about when I'm doing um, exercise of any sort is just how my pump, where my pump is. So that means wearing like my gym clothes usually tend to be tighter fitted. So my pump is right against my body so that I don't rip anything or tear anything out. Um, if that was a huge concern of mine, I could always take my pump off when I exercise, but it's never been an issue for me. Uh, the only issue I've ever really had with my training um, and my diabetes would be like, I, for a certain point in prep, I was getting bruising on my arm because of my sensor. Um, and there's really not much you can do about that besides power through uh, because it's just a part of life sometimes that things aren't going to be perfect. But other than that, no, nothing is really limited for me with training. I love that you say that because I feel like a lot of people that I've talked with lately feel that they're limited because they've been diagnosed with X or Y or Z or, you know, Hey, you know, my back hurts. So all of a sudden I'm just going to give up everything. I'm not going to deadlift or squat. I'm just not going to do anything. Right. And I really don't like this limitation model that so many individuals have developed. A lot of people feel like it's best to limit their activity because of X or Y or Z when in reality, they don't realize it is possible. It is safe. And it is beneficial for them to do things, right? If you have obesity, you can exercise safely. If you have high blood pressure, you can exercise safely. If you have back pain, guess what? You can exercise safely. And all the way up to where we are right now, if you have type 1 diabetes, you can exercise safely. You can lift weights. You can overload. You can do all these amazing things. But you have to be smart about it. You have to be safe about it. As we were talking, you watch your blood sugar levels, you keep glucose on hand in case it is a little bit low, and you're able to adjust and manage your condition appropriately. And I think that, you know, if people take nothing else away from this, I think it's essential for them to realize like, look, you're not what has happened to you, but you're what you choose to become. And just because you're given some kind of diagnosis, I don't care what it is, that does not mean that you uh, should abandon all hope and you're never going to do anything again. 
you can find a way to do the things that you love to do and enjoy doing one way or the other. Exactly. It's not about what you can't do. It's what everything you can do. And if you look at life more as an opportunity to get things done, you're going to be able to do a lot more versus a limited mindset. If I approached bodybuilding and was like, oh, what, what am I not able to do? I would be in a much different situation than approaching it and being like, what are all of the things I can change to make this something I can do? And yeah, you might have some things that are going to make it a little bit difficult, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. It's definitely something you can overcome. And I think I'm a living example of that. And there's many other people who can show that just as well as I can. Don't limit yourself. Exactly, exactly. And I I don't want to take words from your mouth, but I'm guessing you're probably going to look to inspire and motivate other individuals who have been in similar places to you to go out there and pursue their dreams and goals and ambitions, especially as it re- relates to health and fitness. Yes, especially diabetes. That's like my biggest thing. I wish there was somebody who was able to show me that it could have been done. And I'm willing to stand here and be that person for somebody else. I hope I am able to show other people that you are able to do whatever you put your mind to. There's literally nothing stopping you. If I can get through what I have to be able to accomplish my goals, you can definitely do it as well. And I don't think there should be any reason to stop yourself from doing that. And I just hope that diabetics um, are able to adopt that mindset and be able to see that a little bit more often. And I definitely think it's happening and it will continue to happen as more and more people get into fitness. Definitely, definitely. Now, speaking of the future and all, what's next for you? I mean, you're wrapping up college soon and all these different things. What's on the horizon for you, Kara? Well, I have finished college quite fast. For I'm only 20, so I went through college in two years. So I'll be finishing two years early. So I gave myself a lot of time to figure things out, as you can tell. Um, but I am very much in the environmental field. So I think I'm definitely going to continue doing bodybuilding. I'm looking to get into personal training and kind of expand that side of my life as well because it is something I very much genuinely love and would like to do and help people on the side with. But uh, for career-wise, I'm looking into being a park ranger. Uh, It's something I did this summer as an internship, and I absolutely loved it. So environmental is something that I'm also really passionate about and kind of working for the science side as well. So trying to help our earth a little bit more and help people connect to earth and uh, our resources like that would be something I'm passionate about. So combining both fitness and environmental is definitely something I'm looking towards. So you're telling me you might open up like an outdoor gym or something like that, right? people for hikes or introduce people to the outdoors i'm like game for anything what's the go-to hiking snack oh i'm a big trail mix person okay okay if it has like dried cherries in it and like some chocolate and cashews that's perfect (laughs) i love it i love it Kara, this has been a great episode so far. Do you have any kind of other thoughts or remarks or anything else that you want people to remember and really take away from our discussion? Honestly, I just want to remind people that like you can do it. Uh, honestly, if you're sitting there and you're contemplating doing something, uh, you're worried that you're not able to or you have doubts in your head, you're going to be much prouder of yourself to just go ahead and make the jump, make the leap. 
and do it rather than live in the what if. Uh, so uh, if anything, I'm just going to recommend that everybody listening go out and do the thing they've been thinking about doing for the past two, three weeks. I'm just going to remind you that like it's worth it and it will pay off just to get it done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'll add on to that a little bit. If you're someone listening, because I know we get some strength coaches, some physical therapists and healthcare providers, doctors, that sort of thing. And if you're listening and you're just kind of uncertain and unsure about this whole, you know, all of a sudden I have a patient with diabetes and I'm not sure how to handle it and I'm not sure how to manage their condition, then, you know, take the time and read up on it or find a specialist and refer because, it's one of those things that managing a condition like this properly can literally make or break someone's, you know, the, the rest of their life, really. And, you know, if you take someone like Kara and you get, you impair their ability to manage their own condition, then you're going to impact every aspect of their life from exercise and fitness to their overall sleep to their overall mental state. So if you feel unsure and uncertain about it, it's always best to kind of educate yourself as much as you can and reach out to people who have done this time after time after time, because that's going to serve the person sitting in front of you the best. Kara, for people who want to follow up with you online or reach out to you, how can people find out more about you? Uh, so my best platform that I'm on the most is Instagram. My Instagram's Kara List. Um, I have my email links there as well. If you guys have any questions about diabetes, lifting, bodybuilding, how I got started, or any questions about kind of my journey, go ahead and like shoot me a DM. I'm a little slow sometimes, but I will answer. I promise you. Um, and email is also if you have any kind of like long form questions that you want to send me, I'm more than happy to help with anything diabetes related and give my advice if I can. Um, those are the best ways to contact me and that's where I am the most. You can see where I'm going and what's happening with my life from there. Awesome. Awesome. We will link to all of that below in the description. So if you didn't quite catch any of that, you can just click there and check out Kara's pages. Kara, really appreciate your time. This is great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.